Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. Super great. Did you like that song? I loved it. It's new to me, and maybe some of you have heard it, but that was new to me, and what it really has got some great lyrics. The story of Christ is there, the resurrection, his resurrection, our resurrection, and uh, that's something that's really, really important. It's our faith, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Of course, Jesus is our focus. We're talking all about Jesus. We've been for a few weeks. We're going to continue, and... We're into officially fall. We heard it, didn't we? We heard next week's cleanup, and I heard the word, that W word, winter. I heard it. The heat was on, he was on in my office this morning, so <laughs> it's coming, it's coming. And you know, it's amazing, time has flown. 2019 is almost gone. And do you know what that means, right? Every time a year comes to a close. Every time a year comes to a close, well, it's tax time. Yeah, you got to think about that, too. Not only is it going to get cold and snowy, you're going to have to pay your taxes. You know, we have to render unto Caesar. And that really doesn't mean we're smiling, does it? <laughs> Who likes taxes? As much as we don't like taxes. We have to pay them. Nobody has ever really liked taxes. In Jesus' day, the tax collectors, they were hated. They were hated. We've talked about that before. They were notorious cheats, the uh, tax collectors. So they were their own little social group. Uh, They had money, of course, because they cheated people. And uh, they were ostracized, though, by in the Jewish culture because They worked for the Romans. They were Jews that worked for the Roman government. They were uh, considered traitors, turncoats on their own people. And uh, thus they were just looked down upon. They were completely hated. The Roman tax system was one that, uh, it was an auction, so to speak, or they would would put uh, put a certain region up for bid, and highest bidder would get it because he'd say, oh yeah, well I can get that much money or I can get this much money and then he'd go about making his attempt to meet what he said he would pay to the Romans and anything, anything beyond was a plus. And it gave these people an awful lot of power because they had the backing of the Roman government but they were Jewish. So their own people hated them. And how did Jesus deal with these people, these tax collectors that were hated. If you read through the Gospels, you find that Jesus was open to have conversations with these people. And that didn't win him any friends with the common folk. It's no surprise that if Jesus welcomed a tax collector and began a conversation, people around him began to grumble. How could you talk to that cheater? What are you doing talking to those sinners? There's a really famous example of a tax collector in Luke chapter 19. His name is Zacchaeus. We've talked about him. 
he was not a very tall man. When he heard Jesus was coming to town, he wanted to see this man. Jesus' reputation was now going before him. This healer, this miracle worker was coming to town, and Zacchaeus wanted to see him, but he was not really a tall guy, so he found a tree, he climbed a tree, and he waited. And when Jesus came down the road, he was able to spot him. Zacchaeus picked him out. But Jesus stopped at the tree, and he looked up at him, and he said, Hey, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. And how do you think the people reacted? Well, they grumbled. They did not like that Jesus was reaching out to this known sinner, this known cheat. But what happened? If you know the, the account, Zacchaeus repented. He turned his life around. He said, I will repay anyone I cheated fourfold. He was saved. He was saved. And this is how Luke concludes the account of Zacchaeus. It's Luke chapter 19, verses 9 and 10. I just want to read you the close of the account of this man who was a notorious chief tax collector and a cheat. Jesus said to him, Zacchaeus, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham, meaning he's Jewish, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And that's what I want to focus on this morning. It's a stated purpose of Jesus coming to this earth. Jesus declared it. I came to seek and to save the lost. When he said this, and Luke quoted it here when he was talking to Zacchaeus. He used a title for himself. We talked about it a couple weeks ago, Son of Man. And every good Jewish person knew that that meant something. It meant Messiah, Savior, anointed of God. The prophets of old had spoke about Son of Man. The prophet Daniel had mentioned a Son of Man who had all the power of God. And Jesus referred to himself as this son of man. So he was saying, hey, I've got all the power of God. And when he responded to those who were criticizing him because he was associating with this known cheat, tax collector, sinner, he said, I came to seek and to save the lost. Have you ever been lost? When you were a kid, think back when you were a kid, were you ever lost as a kid? I remember being sometimes at a, a grocery store, uh, maybe out to some event like a ball game or something, and I found myself lost. And as a kid, maybe five years old, completely terrified. You know, beside myself, what am I going to do? I don't know anybody. Have you ever been there where you're frightened and you're lost and you know it and you're trying everything you know how to to get back to someone you recognize, someone that you know, 
it's a terrifying, sinking feeling. And books are written about this, and movies are made about people who are lost, and they're off in some you know, unknown place, an uncharted island. And there's a theme in the stories, and the theme is rescue. The aim is about someone being found. Unfortunately, the lost that Jesus refers to many times, they don't even seem so desperate. He sometimes gives examples of lost that don't even know that they need to be found. Now, have you ever been lost in that situation? I can think back to being a little kid in the department store and walked in with my mother and wandered off. And I, I still do that. You know, Julia is always saying, why do you wander off on me? <laughs> I, I, I wander off. I like to just look at things. And I can remember a time wandering away and there I was in a toy aisle, fascinated, fascinated with some new toy, pulling it off the shelf, sitting down there in the aisle, and having a great time. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, ah, my ear goes up. Where have you been? I've been terrified. I've been looking all over this store for you. What do you think you're doing? Going off, wandering around. Didn't you know? A stranger could have took you. I had no clue I was lost. I was having a great old time. Can I take this G.I. Joe home, Mom? Just completely oblivious to my situation. Wandering around, no idea. No idea, my mother searching all over the store. We can be lost and terrified. Realizing we're in all kinds of danger and trouble. Or we can be lost and we can be having the time of our life and oblivious to any danger around us. Now there's a chapter in the, the Gospel of Luke where the theme is the lost. And I'll say 95% of that chapter is the words of Jesus. It's Luke chapter 15. And Jesus gives several examples of the lost. And his examples can apply to those who know they're lost and they're desperately trying to find their way. And his examples can apply to those who've got no idea that they even need to be found, that they're, they're lost and unaware of any kind of uh, requirement for rescue. And interestingly enough, the chapter opens with Jesus surrounded by tax collectors. So I want to give you verses 1 and 2 of Luke 15. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. Well, here we go again. And once again, Jesus reaches out to tax collectors. He reaches out to known sinners. And the people who are observing this 
the leaders of the faith of the Jewish people, the Pharisees, and uh, the teachers of the law of Moses, they begin to mutter as if the people that Jesus is talking with, the tax collectors, the ones that they call sinners, as if they are unworthy of hearing from Jesus. Now, contrary to the complainers, these mutterers, Jesus was showing something to the tax collectors and the sinners. He was showing that they were worthy of what he had for them. And that his time wasn't worthless being spent with them. Jesus was going to present to them something that they might learn about the lost because they were lost. And the trouble was many of them didn't even realize it. They had no clue. So Jesus begins to talk to them and he offers three examples of the lost and he uses parables, parables which are just stories. He's telling stories to make a point and he tells three stories. One about a lost sheep, one about a lost coin, and one about a lost son. In this first parable, this first story, Jesus tells of the lost who are wandering. It's Luke 15, verses 3 to 7. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. So picture in your mind's eye, a flock of 100 sheep. And one sheep wanders away. He leaves the protection of the fold. He leaves the direction and the protection of the shepherd. And in Jesus' story, he said, Suppose you are the shepherd. So this is your flock. You're the shepherd. What would you do? You've lost a sheep. Would you go looking for just one wandering sheep? Well, Jesus doesn't even put the question out there. Of course you would. The implied answer is yes, absolutely. Jesus said you would leave the 99 and go looking for the lost one. Because every sheep has value. Oftentimes a shepherd was a hired hand. He was looking after someone else's sheep. They were important, every single one of them. You're not going to wait until two go missing, or three, or five. The ratio is important here. One out of a hundred. One, that's all it took. One lost is valuable. And that one is worthy to be searched for. Worthy to be rescued. Now what characterizes a lost sheep? 
Sheep are generally followers. They like to follow each other. If they get lost or separated from a flock or a fold, they might become anxious. That's not unusual. And they look for another to follow. They start to get upset. They're looking. I, I, I got to find another to follow. And if they find another to follow, then they're drawn further away from their own fold. But if it's not because they've just lost their way, they might be sick. There might be a problem that they can't keep up with the rest of the flock and they've wandered away. And if they get too far away, they might even forget where they even have come from. There's a verse in Jeremiah chapter 50 about lost sheep, and it says they're wandering over a mountain and forgot their own resting place. They wandered, didn't even know they were lost, didn't even know where they were. Well, let's think about this picture of the sheep and the wandering and compare it to our culture, people today. There, there are many who've wandered, they've lost their way. Their life seems aimless. It seems purposeless. They're unsure of what to do. They don't even know they need to be saved or rescued. They're meandering around, aimless, hopeless. But the coming of Christ, the coming of Jesus, is a hope that they need. And they're not without hope. Because Jesus came to offer hope of being rescued. Jesus came to seek and to save the wandering. And that was his point in that first parable. But he moved on. He had a, a, another point to make to these sinners and tax collectors. He had another example of lost. So for all these sinners and tax collectors gathering around, Jesus gives them another account. It's an example about what I'll call the dormant. Luke 15, verses 8 to 10. He says, Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. So a lost coin. What's happened to the coin? It's fallen. It's slipped into a crack. It's rolled into a dusty corner on the floor. The, the coin itself is it's inanimate. It's got no life in itself. So, of course, it's got no idea that it's lost and that it needs to be found. It could stay right where it is for forever. It could stay there perpetually, and that would suit the coin just fine. Even though it's lost and it's out of sight, it's hidden, it's in some dusty corner or in a crack, the coin still maintains its value. It hasn't lost any value. Now the woman in 
Jesus' story, she's got nine coins. Shouldn't that be enough? No, she is concerned for the lost coin. Because one out of ten is valuable. The lost coin still holds all of its value, but it's useless. It's absolutely useless. Hidden under some dresser or wherever it is. It's useless because it's lying dormant and it's out of circulation. Now again, let's draw a comparison to people today. Many in our culture are challenged by a desire to find purpose. But they become despondent. They feel worthless. They've withdrawn into depression and despair. Basically, they've taken themselves out of circulation. But that doesn't mean they're without value. They're valuable because they are made in the image and the likeness of God. Just like that coin has an image on it and it has an inscription on it. So do those who've taken themselves out of circulation. They're lost no direction or purpose, and they become dormant like that coin, but they can be relieved of that dormancy. They can find purpose and be brought back into circulation when they come to realize that their value is not measured by the things of this world. They are valuable, and their true, ultimate worth is eternal in Jesus Christ. Jesus came for them. Jesus came to seek and to save the dormant. Now Jesus isn't done. He has a third example of the lost. It's an example of what I'll call the senseless. It's a very familiar passage of scripture, the close of Luke chapter 15, and it's about a lost son. Many call the prodigal son. The son has come to his father He's young. He says, Dad, I don't want to wait till you're dead. Give me your inheritance now. I, I want my inheritance. I want my piece of the pie. And his father says, okay. You're my son. I'll do as you say. And he gave him his inheritance. But the young man's a spendthrift. He left home. He went to a faraway country. And he went on a spending spree. And he began to live wildly. And in no time, he was broke. We pick up this account that Jesus is giving in Luke 15. I want to read you verses 14 to 24. This account of the lost son. It says, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country. And he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am, starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. 
So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. The familiar passage of this prodigal son. The young man, he'd acted impulsively. He cared only for himself. He rebelled against his home and his father, and he went off to live riotously and wildly. He had literally lost his senses. He went on spending recklessly, living the high life. And then it was gone. He fell into abject poverty, and he finally realized the error of his ways in a pig pen. And there, alone with the pigs, the Gospel of Luke says, he came to his senses. Now again, let's draw a comparison to our own culture. The world today, it's full of self-serving, impetuous people who've lost their senses. Life is all about indulging their personal desires, gratifying every selfish urge, completely self-focused. They've turned from family. They've turned from God. Basically, they've turned to the mirror, and it's all about them. They've gone out to live recklessly, and they're lost. They got no idea at all. You know, but when the money runs out, you know, or the youth runs out and you start to have to use wrinkle cream and you got no money, you got no looks, clothes aren't the way they used to be, things of this life, they aren't so important anymore when they're gone. And then some, they reach the low point. Some reach this low point like the lost son where he came to his senses and he decided, I'm going to turn back. I'm going to turn around. This isn't working. And he went back to his father. Now Jesus has an offer for them, for all of them, even before they get to the lowest point. Jesus wants to give them a true sense of eternal purpose because he came to seek and to save the senseless. This is his declared purpose for coming. He said, I've come to seek and to save the lost. Whether, whether they're wandering, whether they're dormant and out of circulation, whether they've lost their senses, Jesus came to seek them, and to save them. And there's more to the story. In every one of these accounts, 
Jesus presents joy. God is overjoyed when the lost are found. The Lord rejoices when the stranded are rescued. In every example, Jesus included this great element of joy, didn't he? When the shepherd found one lost sheep, he joyfully put it on his shoulders and he went back home rejoicing. And then he called his friends to have a party and he called his neighbors together and he said, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. And Jesus went on to say, there's even more rejoicing in heaven when one sinner repents. Are you starting to get the feel of where he's going here? And with the lost coin, when the owner of that coin found it, she called her friends and she called her neighbors. She couldn't contain her happiness. She had to celebrate with others. Rejoice with me. I've been sweeping the house up and down. I've found my lost coin. And Jesus went on to say, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels of God when one sinner repents. And then, the story of the lost son, it's the father himself. That's a picture of God the Father who cries out in jubilation. It's my son. He's come home. Let's have a feast. Let's celebrate. Put a robe on him. Put a ring on him. Kill the fatted calf. We're going to have a party. We're going to celebrate. My son was lost, but now he's found. Christ came to earth. He came to earth with a mission. He was God, and he became like us so that he could interact with all of us. But he came humbly, born in, a, born in a, a manger, in a little town of uh, no reputation, Bethlehem. And so many didn't understand his purpose. And he was saying directly, I've come to seek and to save the lost. And how does that happen? What does it even mean? How does he save? How can we sing a song and say, all that was lost has found its place in you. How does that even happen? Jesus came to this earth with a mission. He was born to die. He offered his life as a gift, which was necessary to completely exonerate every single person from sin. And he fulfilled his purpose by giving his life as a sacrifice, as payment for that, for that guilt for that sin, and he did it when he willingly went to the cross, and he repeated this over and over. There's joy and there's celebration in heaven when one sinner repents. They repent of their sin, and they receive this pardon that was made possible by Jesus because he went to the cross for the wandering and he went to the cross for the dormant and for those who are out of circulation. And he went to the cross for those who completely lost their senses. Jesus shared all this with these hated people, the tax collectors and the sinners. Why? Because they were worth it. They were worth hearing this. They were worthy of it. They might have been out there in the world sinning like no one else. But they were worthy of hearing this. And they were worthy of receiving a pardon for their sin. As we all are. You're more valuable than a lost 
sheep that a shepherd would leave 99 to find. You're more valuable than 10% of someone's savings. You're more valuable than that coin that's been stamped with the image of some king and it has his inscription because you've been created in the image and likeness of God and you've been stamped with his image and you have his inscription and you're worth being found. You're as valuable as a son, a child of God that your heavenly father is waiting with his open arms to say, come on, come on home. Let's have a celebration. I want to welcome you back. Like he welcomed the wayward son in Jesus' story. And the question is, will you repent? There'll be rejoicing for you if you do because you're lost. And if you turn, you'll be found. Are you wandering? Are you out of circulation? Do you feel dormant, purposeless? You lost your senses? Or are you just plain lost? You're worthy of this message. And you're worthy of Jesus and all he did because he did it for you. He came for you. He came to seek and to save you and me and every single one of us. We're going to close this morning in prayer. I want to ask, is there anyone here this morning, you might have a need, a physical need. You might have a financial need. You might have another need, maybe someone in your family. Is there anyone in here who has that kind of need this morning? Raise your hand. If, if you need uh, you know, a touch from the Lord, if you need something, we want to pray for you today as we draw this service to a close. Every second Sunday, we open up these altars for these needs. But I also want to ask, if you're in here and you feel you're lost and you've never really come completely to your senses to say, I need to turn back. I need to repent. My way doesn't work. And I know, I've heard it more than once, that Jesus has paid for my sin. He has. And if you've never fully turned to him, you can do that this morning. Before we all open these altars, I'd like to pray for you and just invite you to turn your heart and your life to him right now, right here, because what he said is true and what he has to offer is real. It's eternal life for every single person. Jesus didn't concern himself for those who were already well. He concerned himself for those who needed to hear what he had. The sinners, those who were despised, he opened up his arms to them. He wanted them to know why he had come to this earth. He gives us a great, great gift in his eternal life. It's a wonderful, wonderful gift. And all you need to do is receive it. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, if there's anyone in this room 
who for the first time is opening their heart to say, never really, never really got it, never really turned completely. I want to admit to you right now, God, I'm lost. Didn't even realize it, but I'm lost. And I want to turn to you, and I just want to ask you to help me. I want to repent and turn my life around. I want to turn back like that son. And thank you. Thank you that you received me like a son. Thank you that I'm more valuable than sheep or a coin, but that you'd make me a child of God. Lord, anyone in here praying that right now, receive their heart, God. Receive their sincerity. Bless them, Lord. Receive them as your child. Your word declares it. Jesus came for it. And Lord, we ask that that blessing would be tangible. And it would be known in anyone here that's praying that right now. In Jesus' name, amen.